0: You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit truegreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed.
1: Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, "What's your secret?" Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only 14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer
2: flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
3: There are nearly 20 million military vets in the U.S., And each week, we focus on their stories. This is CBS Eye on Veterans. All right, welcome back to CBS Eye on Veterans for ConnectingVets.com, the military news and veteran lifestyle website. I am Navy veteran Phil Briggs. And today, we're going to take another look at the connection between veterans and cannabis. Now, as one could almost expect back in 2021, the VA again took a hard pass on discussing marijuana, just as the rest of the country, 34 states now, have moved ahead with not only medical marijuana, but many are moving fully towards legalization. The VA is consistent, though. In its position, it always says, well, they can't because it's federally illegal. Don't want to talk about cannabis. And Congress seems equally content to just never change anything. And thus, we have a real problem. Because cannabis shows real promise in treating chronic pain, traumatic stress, depression, anxiety, several other issues that are all key to veterans. And I want to underscore chronic pain. Because if you know anything about being in the military, of the battle rattle they carried, of the ladders they climbed, the buildings they climbed on top of, sometimes fell off of, the business of war makes pain. And soreness on your joints, your knees, your shoulders. I don't know a veteran out there that doesn't have some sort of chronic pain issue resulting from all the gear they carried. And yet we ignore cannabis as some sort of treatment and just think we're going to prescribe painkillers to get out of this. Well, that's the problem. Right now, the solution, in part, is being found with the veteran-owned and operated cannabis manufacturer, Helmand Valley Growers Company. and They're committed to this issue not only with voice, but with deed. 100% of their profits are going to the Battle Brothers Foundation in order to research the benefits of medical cannabis for vets to help them get access to this medical cannabis. And their goal is to get the VA to prescribe the medical cannabis that veterans not only need, but frankly, deserve. So here to talk about this cannabis connection is one of the founders of Hellman Valley Growers Company and a MARSOC veteran, United States Marine Corps vet, Brian Buckley. How are you, Brian?
1: Um, great, Phil. Great to be here. How are you doing today?
3: Charged up, man. You can tell. Every time I read the lead on this topic, it's, you know, just thank you for doing this, brother. Oh, it's my pleasure. Let's start real quick with your background. Uh, you are a Raider in terms of football. That means uh, you're a disappointed Californian that now roots for a team in Nevada or <laughs> in the military, you're from this rare group, MARSOC, the Marine Special Operations Command. But I can honestly say I never met one while I was in the service for my brief time. But I think you could probably do an entire career in the Marine Corps and probably never meet one of you guys. You're kind of like unicorns. Tell me a little bit about the backstory, a little bit about your backstory with MARSOC.
1: Yeah. So in terms with like where MARSOC came from, I mean everything kind of came to head after um, Operation. Uh, Uh, Eagle Claw, when we went to go into Iran to go save the hostages, and we had an accident at Desert One, and that's when the United States of America basically said, we need to form Special Operations Command, so all these units are talking to each other. They kind of let them go, but then after 9-11 happened, uh, President Bush and Secretary Rumsfeld were like, we're not even asking, you are going to give a Special Operations Component to SOCOM." So we went under, uh, they formed what they called Detachment One, or Debt One, they fell underneath the Navy SEALs and did a deployment to Iraq, did very well. They came back, said they could do it. And then ominous, dominus, the Marsak flag went up and off we went. So we're relatively still like new kids on the block. And when uh, I went into the military, for me, it was kind of an interesting journey. I was getting recruited by Naval Academy out of high school, had no desire to be in the military, uh, went to University of Massachusetts to play football. And then after the events of 9-11, I decided it was time for me to go earn my citizenship. So finished out the year there, and then I transferred to Villanova University and went into the ROTC program. And once I graduated from there, I was commissioned to Marine Corps. Went to what they call the basic school in Quantico, Virginia, where they send every new lieutenant. Doesn't matter what you're going to do in your life in the Marine Corps, everyone goes there. And I was selected to be an infantry officer. Went to infantry officer course, passed that. Went checked into Second Battalion, Eighth Marines in the uh, Camp Lejeune. Went to Fallujah, Iraq. Uh, when I returned from that deployment. The uh, higher up said, "Hey, you had a good good run. Why don't we have you try out for a Marine Reconnaissance?" So I went. And I took the Marine Recon uh, indoc. I passed that. Uh, they rewarded me by sending me right back to Iraq six months later with the, the second Recon Battalion. And when I came back from that deployment, they said, "Why don't you go take selection uh, to go see if you go make MARSOC?" And I did that. I think in like uh, September, or October of two thousand eight. Went through that. I was able to be a team commander my entire time. So I did deployments into. Africa, Southeast Asia, as well as uh, Afghanistan in particular, the uh, Helmand Province, which is kind of where the namesake of our company came from.
3: You share with me a little bit about kind of where you traveled, like where your where your deployments were, like some of the dust ups that you know you saw. Because I think that that's, I th- I I think, gonna highlight where I'm gonna go next.
1: Yeah, um, when I. First deployment in Iraq, we were just north of Fallujah, so we we're just operating in kind of the Al ambar area. Um, when I went into recon back to Iraq, we were pulled up to the Marine Expeditionary Force, uh, so they had us all over the uh, western Iraq and Al ambar province. That was a little bit of a, more of an uplifting deployment because the surge worked. I mean, I was there six months prior, and we were kind of looking around each other like, "What are we doing?" But then once uh, we threw uh, President Bush threw more troops in there. Really, the sheikhs got together and said, enough's enough. And they're the ones who kind of start driving Al-Qaeda out of, um, you know, cities like uh, Ramadi and Fallujah. And we essentially were like herding the cattle up to the Kurds. I mean, they were just like, bring them to us. And we were just pushing them up through the desert. And we let the Iraqis take care of what they had to. Um, Things in West Africa, I mean, that was probably one of my more depressing deployments. Um, It just, you know, it was probably the first time I really saw what China was doing to the world and taking over the world without firing a shot i mean they'll go into these countries maybe they have like 200 million gdp and they give them a billion dollar loan and mean full well they'll never to come close to paying that thing back they bring in their own people own materials and then when it's time to pay off they're like hey we don't have any money it's like that's not a problem just take that naval port you know and i was like this is this is a very scary thing and that was kind of cool because that was my first really raider deployment and I was more of in a business suit at times, working with the ambassador. And then sometimes I was out in the uh, desert doing other things. And, uh, you know, I can't really get into too many specifics, but it was a very big eye-opener deployment for me. And same thing when we were doing stuff out in Southeast Asia. Um, they have very nerves. And, I mean, this that's when I was like, hey, the Silk Road is real. I mean, China wants to take over the globe. And then when we did the deployments in, them, um, you know, Afghanistan, I think that really was kind of like a... Marsak's buy-in to SOCOM. I mean, we had three battalions, and we dedicate two battalions to uh, Afghanistan. Uh, First battalion, which I was in, we were doing everything in Helmand. And then uh, you had second battalion was doing things out in the Farah and Harah province, which is you know closer towards uh, the Iran area. But I got to see a lot of Afghanistan. I mean, I was in Farah, Harah, Helmand, Kabul, Kandahar, and Bagram. It was just... You know, you, you got to respect your enemy. I mean, I hate my enemy, but I respect them. And I mean, the Taliban, they, these guys could fight. Uh, they were in it and they, their hearts were in it. And, but even, you know, I was lucky and fortunate enough. And you guys probably heard a lot about it, especially with the, uh, the train wreck we had to witness in that Af- uh, in August. You know, I was there training the seventh special operations uh, Kandak or the battalion. So I had 777 Afghan commandos and special forces that we were in charge of. I was mentoring a colonel, and what we would do is we would we were the commando team, so we would do uh, the raids on high value uh, Taliban targets in the middle of the night. So you know, we got to fly in the one sixtieth. If you guys watch Black Hawk Down, those are our pilots. These guys are masters. I mean, they are phenomenal. Uh, what we call an air stack where I just had a lot of things that could fly above me. I had pretty much everything. And we would go in there mill the night's black helicopters and do our thing. Um, and then there was other, we had other SEALs, Raiders, and uh, Special Forces teams. Uh, they had a pretty complex mission set where they are doing what we called a build stability platform. And this is where they would be fully bearded up, wearing traditional garb. Uh, they would do everything from helping the village to build a well, to stand up a police force, to conducting limited operations on the Taliban targets. And uh, it was, one of my guys put it best. He's like, it was absolutely the best deployment and the worst deployment all in one. I mean, you got to do some really great things, but... When we came back and they do a what they call third level decompression, they put us into a resort for a week, and we we talk to our therapists and our physical trainers are getting with us, and you know the the, the police are briefed. We have designated drivers twenty four seven. If you want a burger at two in the morning, someone's going to get you a burger. But ultimately, a bunch of uh, jarheads just came back from deployment. We all kind of seen the rally at the bar, and uh, that was kind of the, the tough time where we, um, you know, that like you know when you're in combat and you're and you're losing your buddies, you, you learn how to compartmentalize. And you just kind of move on. Um, You know, it's like, hey, guy got blown up by an IED, squeegee him off, and, you know, mission continues. It was at that moment where I think the lull kind of hit us, and we were just having some beers, And you realize, you know, some of your brothers, you know, the bar stool was empty. So those are the tough ones.
3: This really helps you paint the picture about, well, really the need for cannabis and your own kind of association with it. In the name, Hellman Valley Growers Company, right? Very near and dear to my heart. It's where one of my very good buddies, Ronnie Wildrick, took his last breath. In the name, there is a lot of memories for a lot of guys. Walk me through the nexus of how this brand was born and how you ended up entering the cannabis space.
1: Yeah. So, really, where, you know, the four letters are very significant to Raiders, uh, the HVGC, and what that's What that stands for is the Hellman Valley Gun Club. So as a raider, if you go and you serve in the Hellman province, you rate an HVGC tattoo and we all get them on our, you know, I have mine right here on my arm and all that stuff. So, you know, when I eventually, you know, I got out, you know, I was a Purple Heart recipient. I saw shrapnel in my body and, you know, I got, I think I'm like 360% disabled if you tally up all my points and everything from the VA you know, I just was having a really hard time sleeping. And it was the first time I really felt like my mind was at peace was when I smoked some cannabis and I got a great night of sleep. And I'm like, Whoa, this, that was pretty cool. And, you know, I did it again. And I had another night, a uh, great night of sleep. And, you know, it's getting to the point if I was moving around my bed. My wife would say, why don't you go downstairs and smoke a joint? Never thought I'd ever hear those words. Right. So <laughs> right. <laughs> we, we're, we're kind of like, you know, we got something here and, there's a lot of great veteran advocacy groups on, out there. And I'm, I'm proud to be a member of the Veterans Action Council. But, you know, I was like, we got to do something. We're hitting a brick wall here with Congress. And we got to figure out what's going on with them and why can't they move this? And so I had an opportunity to meet with a couple of members of Congress. And they said, listen, I, I would say to your face, it probably works, but I will not walk out that door and say to the media, yeah, cannabis works. He's like, we need data and you need to have it backed up by American doctors. I'm like, okay, you know, we'll figure that one out. I walked out the door, had no clue what to do. And through all this, you know, I formed Battle Brothers Foundation. We are working on veterans. We wanted to do some veteran research on cannabis. And I met a dear friend of mine named Alan Blot, who was uh, running a company that is called Nia Healthcare and Research Services, and they're based out of Israel. He came over to California, uh, I think about in a 2018 timeframe, and we met at a UCLA uh, cannabis symposium. We just started collaborating on what we were doing and what I wanted to do, and he got behind us, and uh, that's when he's like, listen, to, for anyone to take this serious, you, we're going to have to get a thing called an institutional review board, which basically means you got a, a tribunal of doctors who have ripped apart your study design, and if they give you clearance, then you are clear to do human trials with it. And he's like, so without that, without peer review, it's not going to mean anything. And he's like, these things get really expensive. So we knew we probably wouldn't get any federal grant money or anything like that. So we're like, well, how do we do this? And it really, the idea came from a Paul Newman salad dressing bottle, where it's like 100% of the profits to charity. And we talked to our lawyers and CPAs and said, like, could we do this? They're so like, yeah, if you guys want to launch an adult use brand in California, use your profits. The profits are profits, do what you want with them. So thinking about it, we're like, let's kind of keep a cool military niche to it. And just threw HVGC up on the wall. And it's scary how fast it came down, like where it's just like, i Valley Growers Company. And we just said that quick, I'm like, all right, let's do the due diligence here. Talk to the guys. You know, we are going to be using a very sacred name to Raiders. And once we got through telling them what we wanted to do and why we wanted to name it this and everything, they're like, hey, not only are we cool with it, but can we give a job with you when we get out? Which is like, that's an easy day. And it's great, too, because when people ask me this question, like, where did the name come from? I can talk about the heroes in the Hellman Valley. I mean, we were there in 2012 summertime. This isn't a badge of honor. It was just told to me by a, a colonel one time that it was the bloodiest summer for U.S. Special Operation Forces since Vietnam. Um, I mean, you know, within a MARSOC or Marine Raider company at that time, there were three teams led by team commanders that were captains. We got there in May. Um, in June, Derek Carrera, he was shot and paralyzed. He returned. July, I got hit by a grenade launcher, I was able to stay after three uh, surgeries there. Captain Matt Manukian, he was killed in August in a uh, insider attack. And then I got banged up again in October. So none of the team commanders made it through the entire deployment. I mean, just, and that just exemplified how bad that summer was. I mean, there was a lot of Purple Hearts given out and unfortunately way too many ramp ceremonies that, you know, wish never happened.
3: And that actually dovetails nicely into where I kind of wanted to go. I wanted to illuminate that because now here we are so many years removed from either our active duty life or just the war itself. Whether it's your back, your shoulders, your knees, the soreness of carrying the gear or you know some of the old age catching up with you or some of the mental elements that replay in your mind maybe just started maybe that mental movie just didn't even happen while you were active but just started playing in the last few years and then to watch the disastrous exfil from afghanistan where people are now questioning whether or not anything they even did was worth it because the taliban took back over the country now we're at this stage 2022 where so many people are in need of some medicine so revisit with me a little bit your personal connection to not being able to sleep, but then, but what is it that the veterans should be looking for? Uh, they might want to go, Hey, cannabis could be for me. Yeah. You know, I think
1: first and foremost, I mean, it drives me nuts when I, like veterans leave the military and they don't do their VA physical and get their VA benefits. So I always <laughs> encourage everyone like, Hey, go get that because they're going to take care of you. There's going to be some money involved. That is, that's going to be a life changer for you. So one thing I always tell is, like, you just see a lot of guys who are like, well, you know, and it's kind of in the culture of the military. Like, you're done work, you're done doing this, you go to the bar and you have some drinks. And it just seems like people don't drop that. And you now start finding yourself in a situation you might be drinking just to get rid of pain and everything. And that's, you know, that can be a very slippery slope. I always tell people it's like alcohol versus cannabis. You know, alcohol is like trying to stop a ship when you hit the X. You know, it's going to keep drifting a little bit farther than you want it to go. You know, with cannabis, it's very surgical. It's going to hit the X. You're going to feel it in your frontal lobe. You're like, I'm good. I'm I'm high. I'm just going to chill out now. And you kind of do your thing. But that's, you know, I I think people should go out. Maybe if you're thinking about it, if you've gone through the opiates, you're just kind of tired of that life, you know, go out and try and start slow and keep a journal and just write down what's working for you. I mean, part of the thing that we're going to be doing with our research is, you know, you come in, we're going to look at your medical record, but we're going to give you a DSM-5 caps test which will, you know, in basic terms, say zero to 10, uh, judge your severity of post-traumatic stress. And then also, you know, you get a recommended treatment protocol, what to go, uh, what to use. And it's going to be journal intensive. And the doctors will call them once a week to say, OK, how's things going? And, well, I got a little anxious here. OK, why don't we dial it back this way? And just try to find that sweet spot and to a point where we can actually have a formulation and back it with data to say it's going to do what we're saying it's going to do. I mean, I'll be the first of its kind in the cannabis community of no kidding, medically backed uh, product that will work for you. Um, but I, you know, like I guess, don't, I think veterans get a little worried about the stigma. Get over it. I mean, it, it like you said, it's so highly acceptable in our nation right now. And then two, start slow and do it at nighttime and see how it works. And everyone else has been pretty positive that we've helped uh, talk to that it's really have changed your lives for the better.
3: And I second that emotion because uh, my wife, who has never been even a recreational pot smoker, um, had some autoimmune issues, had some sleep issues, um, really not related to any trauma or stress, but it was related to her autoimmune and her her sleep cycle was just she she couldn't get enough. She could never get deeply asleep. And the two-to-one CBD indica variety changed her life. I mean, she gets full healthy healthful sleep and wakes up feeling better no more bags no more drags no more you know the mood issues i mean it can interfere with so much of your life if you're not sleeping well for any reason and it is just a mystery that we still look at cannabis as some thing we can't legally talk about with the government because the hippies I mean, it just pisses me off to no end. Um, real quick, what was the connection between getting out and finding growers now? How did you go from, you know, a group of vets to finding people in the grow space to be able to manufacture this?
1: Yeah, you, you know, it was, it was interesting. I mean, we had some friends. We had some veterans who were out already and were into cannabis. Uh, I mean, they were kind of first ones to bring it up. I mean, back in 2016, where I was first brought up to me, it was like, Okay. And, you know, we, we kind of went about it in a crazy way where this is like some business advice I'll give people. It's like, we really thought we had to go vertically integrated, like right away. It would have been like a $20 million project. And I mean, that's a lot of money to come in for investments and like literally guys who've not done it before. It was kind of tough. And, you know, we had this one guy who was really interested in us, an army veteran, uh self-made millionaire. And he was the one saying, you guys have a Lights Out brand. And he's like, you guys just get that going in and get that out there first. And once the brand picks on, then you can start doing your vertically integrated model. So we had this great group, uh, two guys named George and Cody Sadler, who um, recently sold their one company, Platinum Vape, and uh, starting a new brand right now. But they had a brand called React, where they wanted to get back to different charity causes. And no one wanted to take their money because it was cannabis. So they found out about Battle Brothers and called us up and we came in and talked to them and it was like, yeah, thank you. We would love to take your money. And then we threw the kind of the Hail Mary of, you know, this is what we want to do with this company called Hellman Valley Growers Company. And then on top of, you know, doing the study and they said, Hey guys, get in here. We're going to back you up. And uh, we've been with them ever since. And, you know, I, I think we were probably one of one cannabis brands that literally could put something on the shelf for $0. Like they take no money from us. They'll back us and they're like, just make us whole, but they have a great admiration for veterans and they, and they see the writing on the wall too of like, why aren't we doing more for these veterans and cannabis can work for
3: them. Super cool. Was it originally though, getting back to like just maybe just a real quick look at kind of how we got from Marine Corps veteran to mm-hmm. grow house. Who was it there that had the plants that said, Hey, we should be manufacturing this and refining it into the oils that are used.
1: Yeah, Andy was the one who first started getting into cultivation, and he had a pretty profound kind of saying to me, which was like, was kind of sp- uh, sparked the idea of what we're doing now. But he literally went to go help out a uh, cannabis grow with a security plan, and he just kind of went through and said, okay, do this, this, and that. And they're like, all right, how much do we owe you? And he's like, teach me what you do. And they're like, seriously? He's like, I just want to learn how to cultivate. And he got really into it, and he's like, listen, it's helped me transition from a uh, warrior to a gardener. And I'm like, man, that's pretty deep and that's pretty cool. And let's see if we can help more warriors transition to the gardener type thing. So that's kind of where all that like really kind of started right there was just him just doing his little house grow. And, uh, you know, off we went.
3: That's so cool. I read that in his bio that he's like working on like a, like upper level degree now with regards to growing and agriculture. And I thought, when he said that it became his therapy just the actual gardening the tending to the plants i thought even before you take the medicine the actual process of doing it yeah. is therapeutic as well just getting your hands in the dirt and trimming the plants and making sure everything grows right I, it's cathartic every time i do it in my own yard
1: oh it's amazing yeah that agrotherapy is a real thing so it's just like so simply like, again yet another benefit of cannabis
3: right on right on now let's talk about the products um from what i've seen on the website uh looks like you guys are manufacturing creating some great vape cartridges mm-hmm. right and i see the flavors here afghanimal purple train wreck, sour diesel um are these sativa blends are they indica blends are they combos share with me a little bit about the product variety
1: Yeah, you know, so the first ones we we started off with was Afghanimal, which is Indica, Sour Diesel, which is a Sativa, and then Purple Trainwreck, which is a hybrid. And why we went that way was we just kind of talked to vets to see what was working for them. Now, I'm going to be very honest with you. Afghanimal, we're like, hey, it has the right stuff, and it has a cool name, and it kind of goes with our our brand, so why not have HBGC's Afghanimal, right? And, man, did we catch lightning in a bottle with that one. Uh, because we gave it to the Israeli doctors and they freaked and they're like, this thing's doing exactly what the medicine should be doing. Turns on the white noise, gets you a little euphoric and you go to sleep and if you get up in the middle of the night to use the restroom, it's like, you can go right back down to sleep. They're like, how did you do this? And we're like, I, we just looked on Leafly and said, it would be cool to make this, you know, we just kind of looked at the ingredients and we did it. Um, so what, from there we're like, Hey, you know, we'll just get feedback from veterans. You know, we can't make any medical claims. We'll just say, like, hey, what works for you? What what type of cultivar is is good? And that's what we try to replicate. I mean, we keep some of our things that are just going to be in-house, like at all times. But then we also like to change it up a little bit if people are kind of giving us feedback on Instagram or things like that they would like to see us produce. Um, you know, we're starting to transition now more into flower where we, we've had our pre-rolls out where we, you know, do pretty well with those. And we're about to launch a really cool, exciting product It's a chillum which has not been in California yet, this uh, specific brand. Uh, but we're going to launch that here in the next month or so, which is uh, going to be really fun. And we'll keep going down the line of more flower products and things like that. Um, but, you know, it's really all this is just fun to get to the end state of our medical cannabis research. And whatever we have to do to help fund that, uh, whatever's going to make more sense, we're going to do that because at the end of the day, what's exciting about that is we will have a treatment protocol and a formulation. And we're not only just going to do it here in California, we're going to start here in California, but then I'm going to take it to a a second state and have, you know, basically do another IRB approved study where it will show that this thing's repeatable and is successful and having the same results with veterans in different area. And at that point we're kind of rounds complete and we'll go back in front of Congress and say, here's your data. Here's your American doctors. Can we proceed with FDA trials?
3: That's what needs to be happening. And I think that's what's, It made me so angry uh, since I've been covering this for ConnectingVets.com. I mean, going all the way back to 2017, as you and I mentioned before the call started. um, So you were able to, once you could show that you had a company, HVGC, up and running and that you were under the state's legal authority to be doing this business, you were then able to get from the federal government an actual application and the paperwork filled out to become a bona fide, legit scientific study.
1: Yeah, so the study is going to see if medical cannabis can reduce the symptoms of post-traumatic stress. And it's been approved by an institutional review board, which is just a group of of American doctors. And we put a study design together. They go through and rip it apart, make sure all the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed. And once they say, okay, they approve it, now you're free to do uh, conduct human trials with it. And it was a lot of uh, education process for us as well. We did not want to work with the NIDA program or the National Institute of Drug Abuse that's out of the University of Mississippi. They, uh, you know, to be honest with you, I don't know if their weed or cannabis would actually pass California state uh, testing standards. I mean, you hear stories, it's low THC, it's moldy, it's just not very good.
3: Real quick for those listening, that's uh, just the reason you bring that up is because what the federal government said earlier was that if you were going to do scientific studies on weed, Well, it had to come from their grow up, and their grow up was at the University of Mississippi, and the weed sucked. It was like test samples had been shown to have mold in it. Some of it didn't have any THC. Some of it was like dandelion clippings. I mean, like they didn't know. It was, it was in no way the caliber product that you could even know anything about the medical effectiveness of marijuana. Thank you for deciding to uh, fight against that and say, no, 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 no. We're going to test the HVGC blends.
1: Exactly. And that's, that was a big thing is we wanted to have what they call a private IRB. So the IRB was kind of like, Hey, where's your DEA license? And it's like, well, we don't need it. And they were kind of going back and forth, but Listen, the, the medical team at NiMedic, I mean, they're, they're rock stars. I mean, you got our head researcher is a guy named Dr. Victor Novak. At one point, he was in charge of Harvard's Clinical Research Institute. I mean, he's studying our Meshulam. I mean, you know, we lost him for a little bit during the early stages of COVID because he got pulled into uh, Israel's second largest hospital and he ran their COVID clinic. So these are like pipe hitting people where when they start speaking, it's like, okay, they, they, they paid attention. And what was amazing once we got that approval, was having the University of California at Irvine jump on top and saying, we'll come in and be your American face. I mean, that's the first time an American university really has come out of the shadows into the light, and we're going to be running it out of UC Irvine Health Clinic uh, with our veterans. And that just gives you a lot of credibility, obviously a very good university system, but it's also the American doctors coming in. And what's really, truly exciting is one of the doctors uh, on the UC Irvine staff, she was a former <laughs> VA doctor. And she's like, for years, we wanted to do this. And she kind of finally made the leap to come over to do what we're doing because she lost one of her veterans uh, to suicide. Because, of course, what America does, we knee jerk. Well, opiates are bad. Well, let's take all the opiates away from the veterans instead of weaning them off. Well, they clipped them at the knees. And some of these, unfortunately, these heroes took their own lives because they just were in a really bad place. So it's going to happen. That's where, you know, we're very bullish. I mean, we had to talk with Secretary Shulkin. Uh, he asked my medics straight up, does it work? And they're like, yes. And they're like, can you prove it? They're like, here's our study in PubMed. And he's like, well, there it is. And he's like, do you have American doctors? And I'm like, we do. He's like, that's really smart because that's what they're going to need. So we know we're going to get there. Uh, it's just a matter of getting the money and getting things moving as fast as possible.
3: Wow. So this might be the ground floor of the study that finally, finally tips Congress in the direction of voting for at least reclassifying cannabis so that we can have this damn discussion as grown-ups and not as people just throwing around hearsay and the bad reputation over the last 40 years, which is just ridiculous. Um, so glad to have you on board doing this, man. Thank you so much. I know that uh, Hellman Valley Growers Company sells the vapes and sells the cannabis products in the great state of California. And I know that The profits go to fund this research as well as the Battle Brothers Foundation. Tell me a little bit about the mission of the Battle Brothers Foundation beyond the cannabis research.
1: Certainly, yeah. I founded the Battle Brothers Foundation in 2016. It was probably that was my first time I really kind of put put my head up and I started realizing, you know, we've got a lot of nonprofits that help out the active duty side. And that's amazing. but. It really wasn't much for veterans and help them on their transition. So I wanted to create what, what I made a three-tier approach of personal medical and economic, personal kind of like a big brother, big sister network. You're an active duty, getting ready to transition out. You get matched up with the battle brother. They're just there to you know, kind of shoot the breeze with you. I mean, the transition, as you know, is a lot more difficult than people realize. Then on the medical side, obviously, we hit on the cannabis research uh, we also do uh, VA disability claims, so the vet felt like they didn't get the rating they should. We can take it over and go go with them on that. We also uh, have a treatment recovery director. So if a veteran is suffering with alcohol, post-traumatic stress, opiates, or all the above, we have the ability to get them into a treatment center uh, free of charge and just kind of let them take a knee and recalibrate and get ready to get back onto the fight. And then the final part is the economic side, where it's job placement. You know, sit down, talk with the veteran. Ask them the question like a high school guidance counselor. You got a million bucks. What do you want to do with your life? And then uh, h- help them find something that they, they, they find desirable. And that way, you know, it's a more of a holistic approach. And I think it's a good way of, you know, preventing a veteran from making a mistake. They just, they can't come back from.
3: So cool. And I love the wraparound. I love the totality of which you're looking at the veteran experience because a job. I've said this a hundred times on this show. That's why I always preach, you know, the trades and start your own business and stuff on this show, because just plain good, gainful employment can make a world of difference. Even if your headspace is suffering, even if your knees hurt, or if you can get, if you can get involved in a career that makes you feel rewarded again, other little things just start to fall in place. And that's an amazing aspect that That I think while I love all of the different veteran retreats and the different hikes and the different things that we do and the swims and the sailboats and the, you know, getting away for a day. Treating it with a counselor, a confidant that can call you up and be like, hey, where are you at with your job? All right, let's take a look at this. Make some phone calls. See who I know in your neck of the woods. Uh, Treat the medical issues or the addiction issues. You know, how much you really drinking, bro? Okay, you want to dial that back. Uh, You still on all the, are you still on all the oxys? Okay, well, let's get you off that. Let's start looking at different ways. I mean, you're treating the 360 degree picture of the veteran. And so that is to be commended. Again, Battle Brothers Foundation. And um, where do I learn more about Hellman Valley Growing Company? Where do I learn more about the great products you have? And should I be lucky enough in the great state of California, where can I get some of the uh, Afghanimal?
1: Yeah, you got it. So if you check out our website at uh, com you can read all about our products our story where, where we're at with everything and more importantly you can find a map where you can just literally type in your area code where you are and it'll direct you to the nearest dispensary where you can pick up some hvgc product and also check us out on instagram um, at hvg company uh we're very active on instagram and uh, we'd like to update people with things that we're doing so um you know we are try to be as transparent as possible and we just want to invite as many people as possible to come on this journey with us
3: Brian Buckley, former MARSOC operator, uh, former Marine officer, combat veteran, and uh, founder of Helmand Valley Growers Company. I can't thank you enough for the work HVGC is doing out there in the cannabis space. And uh, keep it up, brother.
1: All right. I appreciate it. Thank you for your time today.
3: also duly impressed because, you know, you're a Marine and you managed to figure out all that paperwork, you know, kudos to you for being yeah, a Marine. Yeah, a lot of, went through a lot of
1: boxes of crayons, but we figured it out eventually. <laughs> all
3: right. See, service rivalries never die. Navy, no, no, Marine, nope. you know, I mean, <laughs> good <laughs>